This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. Hey everyone, we're glad you're joining us today for Dune Talk. This is the official show of DuneNewsNet.com where we discuss everything Dune. Books, movies, games, comics, collectibles, and more. We have several exciting topics on deck. As usual, there's movie news, uh, plus comic book and gaming updates, and even some TV series rumors. And we're going to be getting into Dune Messiah this episode with a guest joining us for the discussion. This is Marcus, and I'm here with the regular crew of Dune Talk. Hey, it's Karen. Good to see everyone again. Excited to dig into the new stuff and the latest rumors. So let's get into it. Hey, everyone. It's Johnny Sobchak again. Uh, good to see everyone. Happy to have a, a new guest joining in and talking this week as well. Um, some, some good stuff to talk about as we're kind of driving toward uh, part two filming this summer. Hey, Simon Dowdy here. Uh, excited about our guests and also excited about some TV news. We never get TV news. So let's start breaking it down, boys. So as mentioned, we're joined today by a special guest, uh, Caleb Pauls. He's one of the two um, hosts of the Reading Dune podcast. So they're reading Dune, and actually now they're reading Dune Messiah, which we're going to talk about, and they read that chapter by chapter. Uh, Caleb, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, tell our viewers a little bit about, about yourself and your podcast. Hey, guys. I'm glad to be here and glad to everyone at home listening. Good to be with you. Um, my name is Caleb Pauls. Me and my friend Evan, we started reading Dune. He's never read it before. And of course, I'm your seasoned veteran here. And so what we do is we read a chapter of Dune every week. Um, Evan reads it right before we record, and then we go live on YouTube and record it, and we watch it all. Um, we kind of go chapter by chapter as we go through Dune. And it's been a lot of fun. We're kind of the guide for people, whether you're a Fremen or a first-time reader. We're the podcast we want you to listen to so we can all listen to Dune together because everyone needs a Dune buddy. Whether you're reading Dune or watching Dune, everybody needs a Dune buddy. <laughs> I feel like there should be a little stuffed animals that are like a little... <laughs> Like little, little Dune buddies. Little Shai Halud that you just hold with you. Awesome. So as, as mentioned, we're going to be talking about Dune Messiah later in this episode. Uh, but first, it's time for movie news. Dune movie news. First up, pre-production has started on Dune Part 2, and Denis Villeneuve has spent some time in Hungary this month. For me, this is especially exciting, uh, considering what we've heard from you know past interviews with uh, cast and crew members regarding the amazing scale of the sets and the, just the general atmosphere of being at uh, Rico Studios in Budapest. We're also going to be seeing more of the Emperor uh, and uh, his faction in the second movie, and hopefully uh, that means a good amount of the Imperial capital uh, world, uh, Kaiten. We don't know that yet, though, but uh, yeah, it would make total sense if they're working on some of those interiors for the scenes now, right? Because it's going to take time to get all those... Um, uh, scenes and, and sets uh, build up. Build up. Um, additionally, we've now heard from several actors about returning uh, to film the movie uh, itself in July. That's uh, good news, I would say, if, if that remains the case, considering, you know, we've talked about some uncertainties in previous episodes, for example, whether the war in Ukraine could have an impact on this at all. Uh, Johnny, uh, what are your thoughts on these pre-production and potential filming timelines? Yeah, pretty much lines up with what we had kind of heard or expected so far. I will say it was nice to hear. It was really the key, I think, piece of where this came from was Josh Brolin talking about uh, getting ready and like getting in shape to go and, and fight in the desert for a few months um, in the summertime. So he was saying that July was basically the, the start time. And that lined up with what we were thinking. We had also heard, I think, from Mary Parent, like during the Oscar campaign, the producer with Legendary, that that was also July was kind of 
set as the time to, to get started. And but then there had been some rumors maybe it would be pushed back a little bit, maybe it'd be more like early fall when they'd be getting started. Sounds like it's kind of lining up where they're gonna finish filming like around the time, like a year out from the movie being released, like late October, maybe. Um, I know when they filmed the first film, part one, they started in March. And then I think they really, they finished everything uh, filming for that. I think as far as uh, principal photography in August when they went to Norway and, and, and shot some, uh, some scenes up there. So that kind of lines up if they're starting in July, we're talking maybe five-ish months potentially. That would carry over, you know, towards the end of the year, depending on how they, they structure everything. Um, but I think that you're right about kind of the planning and like the sets and, and whatnot. That makes sense, especially with what Villeneuve said. Right now they have, you know, three months or so until July to get to get everything, you know, sorted out. Um, and he was saying even during the film's release and like the press tour last year that Patrice Vermet, who just won the Oscar for production design for Dune, he was already working on designs for the next movie. And that was before I think it was even greenlit. They were just like saying, well, if, if they greenlight it, we're going to be ready to go. And, you know, I'm sure they are deep. If they already had designs in the, in progress at that point, I can pretty much guarantee they're in the works of if they're not actually building them, they're in the final stages of actually getting ready to build them, um, getting all the logistics sorted out. So yeah, and that, as you mentioned, there's going to be some interesting new settings for the, you know, part two that we haven't seen before. Um, some new worlds, potentially, and environments. The sieges, I imagine, is going to be largely soundstage stuff. So that's going to be really exciting. I'm, I think a lot of people are looking forward to getting more Fremen culture in this one. And uh, I think all the actors seem like they're primed up and ready to go. We, you know, said that they have, we've talked about the casting news for Florence Pugh, Princess Irulan, and, uh, you know, Austin Butler as, as Fade. You know, if you haven't listened to that Collider interview with Josh Brolin, uh, you should, because he actually reveals quite a bit uh, that I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know what kind of NDAs these, these actors are under, but, you know, we're just revealing the fact that he and Javier need to be in, you know, pristine, tip-top shape in terms of their body strength. And, you know, it just, it hints to the fact that, you know, we're going to have some serious warfare battle scenes. And of course, we know, because we know the book and the story, but you know, I, I like the fact that these actors just are excited, they're stressed, they, they have a lot of pressure on them, but we want, we want them to look right, and Denis wants them to look right for their part. So, yeah, it's a great interview, and he has some really strong opinions about, uh, about the uh, snub for uh, Denis, but it's a good, it's a good interview. Yeah. No, it was, it was great, great to see uh, Josh Bullen, uh, like because he's promoting his his new Prime Video series, The Out of Range, and he's been in, in tons of interviews the previous previous week. We have an article on the site where we sort of uh, uh, consolidated uh, some of them. Uh, but yeah, also he talked about the Oscars, and he confirmed, well, no surprise there, he's indeed returning to play Gurney Halleck in Dune, Dune Part Two, and as uh, as mentioned, Garen, that he needs to get in in shape considering all the desert uh, time in the desert and, and fighting that they've been doing all this all this time. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always fun, fun to watch his, his interviews. I love that he I has just... to get in shape. <laughs> Him and Javier Bardin have to get in shape. Um, I was kind of surprised that he mentioned that he was in part two because I feel it's kind of a spoiler for people that haven't read the book. But hey, I'm okay with it. Give me the rest of the cast. Yeah. I think there's pretty much no surprises there for people of us who know the story. But yeah, it's 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 fair to say that if, if you haven't read the read the book, it could be sort of a spoiler. But yeah, as we're going to touch on in the expanded news as well, there are there are other things that are revealing that as well. Uh, Caleb, as we were mentioning, it's it's no surprises for for you, I'm sure. But um, if you look at these 
these characters like Gurney, Gurney Halleck and, um, and Stilgar, what are you most hoping to see from them in part two? Oh, I'm so excited that, I mean, we're going to get like the space spice pirate in Gurney Halleck, like that no one I think is really prepared for. And I think uh, it's going to be incredible to, to see Josh Brolin do this because I think he has such range and he's going to he's going to have to lose the water fat. I'm sorry. We, we're not on Caladan anymore. And it's going to be a rough type of filming, but he's a professional actor who I know can deliver on this job. So I'm really excited. I'm excited to see, again, more Stilgar, obviously in a giant leadership role. We're all excited to see the sketches and what it looks like and how that works. And yet what Johnny was saying, I want to see more Fremen culture. So we're going to get Spice Pirate funding the guild, and we're going to be getting deep Fremen culture. And that's going to be awesome. Uh, real quick, something that Gary mentioned, because that has a great interview and his quotes about that, and it does go more in depth. I will say also for the spoiler element of it, I suppose. Um, I mean, I, I know they certainly left it ambiguous as to what was going to happen with Gurney, because you never see him again after he goes running into battle, um, dead or alive. So um, I think, yeah, they definitely wanted to make you know people sweat or, or wonder, but I, I can guarantee as soon as trailer one rolls around for part two, Josh Brolin's face is going to be in there, probably with you know, maybe some bigger beard, you know, some space pirate, uh, you know, gear on. Um, but uh, that's that's kind of funny. I think that will be interesting to see how they play some of those things. But as far as what Garen was saying about, yeah, he's talking about like they're gonna have to do some action stuff and they're gonna have big battles and, and action sequences. I think that is going to be really exciting and something that we haven't talked on like or hit on too much necessarily because there just hasn't been a lot of part two information to this point. Um, but I think something people haven't really considered or have thought about is that this is really going to be Villeneuve's first foray into like like a war movie, like where you are having like big action sequences, big, not just action, but like battle sequences. We certainly got some of that in part one, but here it's going to be out in the open, like actual like planned strategic military like operations that people are performing like on both sides throughout. Um, and I think that's just really gonna be interesting to see. And it's not just gonna be, of course, Gurney or Josh Brolin's character, Javier Bardem, as we were talking about, Timothy Chalamet himself in, in battles going out and like killing a bunch of people, which we've seen him kill one guy. And that was like the emotional, like crushing climax of part one. So just to see that development and see that arc, I think is going to be really interesting, not just for him, but of course, a lot of the other, you know, secondary and tertiary characters. Caleb, I'm glad that you, that you like uh, the selection of Josh Brolin as Gurney Halleck in terms of casting, uh, because if I'm right, and correct me on this, but uh, Frank Herbert uses the term ugly, I think, for Gurney Halleck a couple of times. And, yes, and I'm sorry, Josh Brolin is a handsome man. So I mean, that's how Hollywood does it, right? You rarely have an ugly character described in a book as an ugly person in, in the film, so. I don't know. Maybe, like, being in the desert just turns Josh Brolin into, into Danny DeVito, and Danny DeVito does now the new Gurney Halleck. But, no, Frank does say he's a ragged, like an ugly, ugly old man with a limp and a giant scar who's constantly talking in biblical poetry. Yeah. You. And we kind of get a little, we get a little bit of that in um, Josh Brolin's performance. I know, he, I know they recorded stuff on him in a ballast set. Mm -hmm. It would be awesome to get some more of that and make maybe a transition sequence mm. of first time we meet him. That's where he's at. 
in a sense of calm because Dune has these giant ups and then these calm pieces. And I could really see them using the Balaset in one of those transitional pieces. Mm. And I think it'd be really cool. Yeah, and speaking of uh, calm, I think we can sort of see this as the calm before the storm in terms of movie news. I think it's not going to be too long because we're before we're getting all these uh, these announcements, remaining casting news, uh, behind the scenes uh, stuff. Hopefully, a little bit in terms of uh, what what the crew are doing. Um, yeah, and it will be interesting to see how that uh, that plays out. So, hoping uh, for the best that everything uh, stays on schedule, and we'll uh, we'll be hearing some um, some good interviews soon. So, um, yeah, let's let's go ahead and dive into some ex expanded news. So this uh, section is where we cover everything else happening in the universe of Dune. The Duneverse, books, comics, games, collectibles, and more. Today, we're starting out with some TV series rumors. None of this is confirmed. So uh, please just take it with a large grain of salt for now, but um, yeah, let's, let's just get into it. So the website, Giant Freaking Robot, amazing name for a news outlet, uh, is reporting that their source has revealed the title of the upcoming Dune TV series. So let, let's remember that this was officially announced uh, two years ago, maybe even more than that now, as Dune the Sisterhood. Now the title is allegedly going to be Sisterhood of Dune, Mind Killer. So I have to be honest, I'm personally a little bit skeptical about the title, although the first part of that, Sisterhood of Dune, does match one of the prequel books. Um, the other thing is the way that the report was was worded. So like I had a few question marks there, but again, if, if this is true, there are a couple of interesting uh, tidbits. So I'm just going to read quickly from that in the article. So what there's what uh, they're saying is this this series will be a prequel to the Dune movie and timeline set years and years before the story. It will center on the Bene Gesserit, the group of women in this world who have trained themselves to have nearly superhuman abilities when it comes to mind trailing coercion, and almost a genetic memory that's passed on from generation to generation. This series will focus on this group and a faction within the Bene Gesserit that is working on stopping a more sinister force in the universe. While no casting decisions have been made about this Dune TV series, there are specific ar archetypes that the studio seems to be looking for with this one. The cast looks like it will be almost exclusively female, with around three women in their late 20s and two others who will play an older part of the, of the group. Uh, Garen, starting with you, what, what do you make of this rumor? I think I'm skeptical on the Mind Killer title. Um, it, it, it feels like it's not totally appropriate. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a term that's part of Dune, but I don't know. It just, I guess, the way this whole series was described to me uh, was was not something that was more action oriented. Mind Killer just feels like something more action oriented to me, um, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I like the fact that it's going to be many many years before Dune. I I, I already knew that. That's what I'm expecting. Uh, I have not read uh, the book um, uh, by Brian Herbert, Sister Sisterhood of Dune, and I don't know if it will draw from that. I can imagine that it might, uh, pulling some concepts or ideas from that. Um, I actually love the idea that it's primarily uh, uh, a female-based uh, series because that's what the Sisterhood is. And how they wield their power throughout the universe and, and mold, uh, you know, races and cultures to their to their ends. So, no, I I'm excited about it, but I gosh, I, I wish there had been a lot more information about this series. It feels like we've gotten very little ever since the movie came out, and it just feels to me like this is a, this has the potential to really broaden the universe, the cinematic universe, the the visual universe. 
And I, I think it's a missed opportunity. And I don't know, maybe maybe there's some disorganization or maybe they're you know behind the A ball on, on some uh, you know funding or who knows what the, what the situation is, but I'd sure like to see more detail, at least casting and a little more detail on, on what this series will entail. But yeah, I'm, I'm not buying the title. I'm just gonna say that. The title sounds really cheesy. I like the Sisterhood of Dune, but the Mind Killer sounds like a bad movie that you find at Walmart for like five bucks and they're like crappy DVD section. And I hope that's not what it's going to become. I think it's great that we're getting a Benny Jesuit show from the first day because without going into too much spoilers, if we're going really into the Dune universe and creating hopefully six movies, we need to know more about the Benny Jesuits just in general. And I think when you watch the first film and you're not familiar with you know, the whole entire characters. I feel like the Benny Jesserits are a big mystery for a lot of new Dune fans and even fans that, you know, are just familiar with the 84 movie. So I'm excited. I think it's great. I think the mind killer is just maybe a clickbait thing to get people's attention because everyone knows the whole fear is the mind killer thing. Uh, one show I would love and love to see is a Fremen show like that. Like if we get two seasons of maybe the sisterhood and then Fremen's, you know, just develop very much like what Marvel's doing with the Disney Plus shows, show different parts of that universe, show it, but you know, the main thing is in the end is the films. So I'm excited. And also San Diego Comic-Con is coming up in a couple of months. So maybe, you know, a lot of studios have like a presence there. Maybe we'll get casting there. Maybe that's when we'll get the Dune 2 news casting. Who knows? I was just thinking about that as Garen was speaking, but I don't like the mind killer part, but Sisterhood of Dune, I'm, I'm cool with it. And I've never read that prequel book neither. So I guess I'm a bad Dune buddy. Well, fine. If this isn't happening, I just want to shout out the writer from giantfringetrobot.com because this is an awesome plot. All right. Just from it says that the Bene Gesserit in the aftermath of a massive war in the galaxy that's destroyed much of its structure. Do we know about a massive war in Dune that's alluded to? way way back oh, come on the that we could do that i'd be okay with that and it will be a primary focus on how the Bene, Bene Gesserit was moving and there's a brother and sister tandem in their early 20s who wants a space pirate we like space pirates <laughs> and a primary villain i mean it's it's a good setup if it be because in dune we, we're kind of seeing the fall of the Bene Gesserit it would be really cool to see the start of the Bene Gesserit mm -hmm. and i don't know if I mean, we got some bunch of Dune nerds on this podcast who can probably say when that happened. I don't know if I can, but or if, or if that's even, that's even written down. Having something not canon started, I think it would be kind of cool to set its own precedent and pace. Maybe how did the Bene Gesserit get started? Maybe how the Litany Against Fear was started, which is why they call it the Mind Killer. <laughs> and we should not make a machine in any likeness of a human mind because they would kill them all. I mean, it kind of works, kind of works. So shout out to the author of that article for putting all that together. And, and I think to Johnny's point, like the, the, there is information in there that was already revealed, right? We, we know that this is a show about the, the Bene Gesserit and it might be that they're referring to, you know, events in the expanded novels. So like I've, I've just started to catch up on some of the expanded novels in the past year or two. So I haven't gotten back to uh, doing the sisterhood, but it could be that there are some connections there that, that they're making. Um, I did want to like close this with three things that we sort of do know, like, so as, as was mentioned, we, we got a new showrunner, Diana Dumojan, and that's already um, 
yeah, almost almost a year ago, like or nine months ago. So obviously there there has been some developments on on the front. So it would make make sense potentially that they change the name or they're they're looking at uh, reviewing the story, reviewing the scripts. Um, the other thing which is which is obvious is that this this has been delayed from the original plan. I mean, it's it's no secret that the pandemic caused like a whole backlog in terms of like the filming of TV series. And like if this is right, you know that that there has been any casting announcements. It could simply be that you know we're just not hearing news because there isn't any news uh, to talk about uh, so far. Um, the the other thing is, and this is also I think almost one year and a half ago, there was an interview with with one of the the writers, and um, um, and he was basically mentioned that that this was going to be uh, set in a time period that wasn't covered by any of the books um, or or any of the other materials so far. And like they are talking about, you know, that Brian Herbert and Kevin James and that, that they may be writing new books in that uh, in that time period whenever it's set. So they probably do have a general idea of you know putting this this original um, uh, original work that's a uh, time that hasn't been explored before. So yeah, will will we'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, real quick, Marcus, that's definitely a great way of kind of like comprising what we do know for for sure um i think one thing i wanted to address was like i saw this tweet that was, it wasn't going viral necessarily but it was it was a tweet that was kind of getting some attention <laughs> where it was saying that uh you know modern tv writers and showrunners on a on, it unleashed in the dune universe could be just a like cataclysmic result <laughs> potentially um which i definitely hear and understand and I think my point of view, like I was saying, there's a lot of potential here for this show and other shows. And HBO is a reliable, you know, production company and they have really great, you know, shows a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, there is there is risk involved with this. And that's why I'm like, I don't want to think about it. I just want them to take their time. If it works and it sounds great, go ahead and do it. If it's not working, then don't like force it just because Dune is the big new thing. You know, Simon was talking about the Marvel shows on Disney Plus, and they have Star Wars shows going on now as well. Obi-Wan's coming out next month. Um, it's like, I'm so, I'm not, I'm not even as big of a Dune fan as you all are. Like, I, I am my limited amount of exposure, like, don't want to be overexposed to, like, everything that they could be trying to do. And I just think that's why me, as more of the movie guy and, like, the Villeneuve fan, like, I'm just, like, focused on the trilogy, do part two, do Dune Messiah. We get an amazing film trilogy and then anything else that happens, set it in an era that's completely unrelated. Don't have any direct overlap. That way, if it's good, okay, great. If it's not, okay, I can just kind of like, just ignore it. I don't really care that much about it. It is kind of like its own thing. Um, and that's why, you know, the Disney Plus shows, eh, I don't really care about them so much. I still like the MCU. Star Wars can still be a fan of the original trilogy or the other movies maybe you don't necessarily care about Obi-Wan or, you know, the Mandalorian or Boba Fett or whatever they're doing now. Way to be honest, Johnny. We appreciate that. <laughs> no, I, I agree with Johnny. As a big Star Wars fan, I feel like there are too many Star Wars shows like the Bad Batch. Like that doesn't need to exist. I'm sorry, Disney. If you create more in universe, and especially if it's not something adapted from a book or even comics at this point for Dune, I think it's good to get more people in, interested in it i won't say do like every house like its own show or something i think if you do the benny jesuits and you do you know the fremens like we don't need a sadakar tv show plus i don't think network cable would let that exist, how bloody it would be <laughs> but i think it's good just even if you do six episodes of each 
you're introducing more backstory for the people that are not interested in reading the books, you know, that just want to watch some shows and be like, okay, I get it. And maybe the Benny Jetsovich show skips a couple hundred years every episode to get up to Jessica at the very end. Something that would interest people to get them knowing more about who the Benny Jetsovich is, because we spend a lot of time talking about them in the book. But in the film, you really don't have that much time. You know, if you're making a movie that's two and a half hours, there's good 10, 15 minutes of credits already. And the rest, you have to like jam pack it in. And it's amazing what Denise did in the first film, tell us so much history. But I feel like the Benny Jesserits are extremely important, especially maybe it talks about the development of the Kwisat Hazarat, how they came up with that. Or how they make religions and they set up Paul to be the Messiah. I think that would also be really interesting, that whole backstory so we can see how they move and play. But I agree with Johnny. Let's get Denny his Academy Award, and then let's think about it. Yeah, totally. No, I think there, there's there's so much to, to explore here. And and I think if you you can't really compare this to like Star Wars or MCU because like just, you know, like, there's much less doing out there. Like even if they do go ahead and like green lights, you know, two or three TV shows, I mean, I, I think, there's more than enough uh, story to, to explore that, you know, we're not like, uh, it wouldn't be considered like milking the, the franchise. They're, they're just, it's such a big universe. So like so many different uh, topics. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what's coming up with, uh, with this. So let's uh, move on to some official uh, news now. Um, so we have uh, two quick topics. Uh, preview pages have been released for Dune, The Waters of Conley. Uh, the four-part comic book miniseries is telling sort of a lost year's tale of Gurney Halleck. And there we get that connection to uh, like the movie news. So it basically takes place in between the events of Dune Part 1 and Dune Part 2. And it follows his uh, quest for revenge against House Harkonnen. So you can check out the first five pages on dunenews.com. I'll have a link in the, in the show notes. Um, starting with you, Simon, what do you think about the artwork for this for this one? So I was blown away. Like I knew we were going to talk about this and I was like, oh, I should look at the preview pages because we're going to talk about it. But Pirate Gurney looks pretty awesome. And just the coloring, especially like the nighttime scenes that we have preview pages for. I really am picky about artwork when it comes to comic. And I was going to read this no matter what. And I always felt like there should be kind of like what happens to Gurney between the, the, the movies, you know, when he becomes the pirate. The original space pirate sorry han solo um but i i'm interested i'm interested i really really love the coloring and the mood that the pages give and i will definitely be reading this in issues when it comes out yeah i enjoyed uh i enjoyed the sardaukar uh book that we all read together um that we were given copies of which i appreciated so much i was so impressed by that that i'm i'm really looking forward to this as well and and being such a fan of Gurney and and uh, his role in in all in in Dune and and how critical of a character he is and and just liking him as a character, I'm I'm excited to see what what they're going to expand. So, you know, it's it's pretty interesting to be Brian Herbert and and have the keys to the kingdom of this universe and to be able to expand it in whatever direction you want. Um, that that would be that would be a fun job to have uh, and. He's pretty good at what he does, even though uh, his father obviously did the, the canonized, uh, that his style of writing really, really pulls me in uh, even more than Brian. But I like what Brian's doing with 
expanding it and creating new stories and and even some new characters. So, yeah, uh, you know, Simon, you know more about the artwork than I do, and uh, I, I like the the action depiction. The story moves along. The story has depth. It has emotion. So I'm assuming that uh, this new series will as well. So looking forward to it. Yeah, and to the previous point, like they're clearly not not avoiding spoilers, right? Because you, you know, like as mentioned, people who who haven't read the book, they, they wouldn't know what what happened to Gurney Halleck after the, the assault on, on Erkin. But you know, here it's, it's mentioned in the comic, the actor is mentioning it. So I think they pretty are pretty much going out at this stage that you know it's been a book that's been out for you know like a decade. So at this point, you know, it's it's fair to say that's uh there, you know, you don't have to avoid spoilers. At least that seems to be the approach that we're we're seeing. Finally, uh, we have some exciting news on the gaming front. Dune Spice Wars uh, should be out, I think, probably around the time you see this uh, this episode. So the game hits early access on Steam, April 26. And we now know that it will cost uh, $29.99 or Euro. Uh, so I would say that that's not bad considering prices for most new games uh, these days. Uh, it is mentioned the price may increase at later stages or final release. So that this, this is really going to be an early access game and they're going to be working on with the community to develop it and more features will be added later. Uh, and also, yeah, in case you miss it, uh, there will be four factions available to play uh, right from the launch. So besides House of Trades and Hardscore Conan, of course, you can uh, choose the Smugglers uh, and the Fremen. Um, we've been covering the game extensively on, on the site. So if you want more details, like there's uh, uh, plenty of uh, articles and trailers and all that. So um, Caleb, wanted to ask you, are, are you into strategy gaming at all? And is this a must buy for you? Is it a must-buy? I don't know if it's a must-buy, but it definitely hits a nostalgic part of my heart, being 10, 11, 12, growing up playing Age of Empires and StarCraft. And having that like that double bit of nostalgia for me, not only a Dune, but it is that like type of game, I will be looking into it um, because I am interested. I just love that style of gameplay. And if they can pull it off well and do some new things, um, I'm interested. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what kind of uh, what kind of specs your PC has to have uh, to run it, because obviously the videos that they show on the website are beautiful. I mean, the artwork and the design in this game is is really really well done. Um, so hopefully uh, the system requirements won't be too over the top, uh, and maybe they will be, but it'll probably be worth it. Uh, it looks like they put a, a lot into this into this game, and it. You know, having also been a, a Age of Empires fan, Caleb, um, it is very nostalgic for me, but but I also even remember the original Dune and Dune 2 that, that came out even before that. And so, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia. This, this RTS genre is, is really addictive and uh, hopefully they'll do a great job with it. So yeah, we'll know in just a few days, actually. Cool. So that's it for uh, news stories for today. So we're going to move on to our last uh, segment uh, for the show. Our Lancerod High Council is going to discuss Dune Messiah, the second book in Frank Herbert's Dune saga. And uh, yes, it's really uh, appropriate that we, we have uh, Caleb on here because you, uh, you guys are also discussing Dune Messiah on, on your podcast. So let's go ahead and have that uh, High Council. The Lancerod High Council is now in session. First uh, question I want to do a, a round table with everybody. We, we have a lot of uh, Dune, Dune fans out there. I think uh, a lot of people have read the, the first book. It's uh, not, you know, like the, the best-selling sci-fi uh, uh, book in the world for, uh, for, for no reason. I mean, it, it has been, uh, uh, you know, widely a key part of, uh, of popular culture. 
Um, but not as many people have read Dune Messiah. I think that's that's pretty much uh, fair to say. So let's let's do a round table. Is Dune Messiah required reading or or not? Uh, starting with with you, Caleb. Is it required reading? Gosh, that's a hard question. Um, if you want to read the rest of the books, yes. Like it's <laughs> as simple as that. Um, and the other books, like somebody becomes a worm and that's interesting. So if you want to get there, you got to go through it. Um, I think, I think it's good if when the first time I read Dune, I didn't get it and it was fun and it was action packed and I was in it for the ride and it was awesome. And I was like, that was incredible. But, and this is why Frank has to like go on interviews and like say verbatim what the book is about. It's about you like don't trust charismatic leaders because not because they're good or bad people. It's just because when their, their actions get magnified to a certain degree, when you follow charismatic people and the mob mentality kind of sets in and who knows where they're being manipulated by. So you see the aftermath of that effect in Messiah and it's up in front of your face right away. Um, it does get weird because you have, you're like, the real first chapter ish you have the guildsman which is a fish man talking and it's weird and then you have the face dancer pops up right away we get new culture we get like these new people that have popped up in the dune universe people that can shape shift and you're like what is this and what is going on and i think i mean we we, we talk about it on the podcast I, again we're just going through it now chapter by chapter and i've read it a couple of times so i know what's coming and i can tell you it's crazy because it's only 24 chapters like half the size of dune which mm. makes it palatable i'm not gonna lie because after <laughs> you finish dune and it's this giant thick book and you're like whoa do i want more <laughs> if you say yes it's only a 24 chapter commitment but after that i'm sorry you're gonna have to go the whole way like it's really hard to stop after messiah oh man that's a good answer uh i'll try to follow that up but i i agree and disagree i think based on what you said I would say it is required reading. If you read Dune, I think you have to read Dune Messiah. And I'm so glad that that feeling has been, I feel like somewhat validated or reflected by what Denis Villeneuve has said with regards to like the film adaptations, because he is of course doing, he split, you know, Dune into two movies. And then he's like, you know what? This was before the movie even came out last year, mind you. He's like, I think that we should probably do like a third movie probably. I could adapt Dune Messiah. I actually think that book's great. And, uh, you know, he's said he's read the entire series and he says Dune Messiah kind of, it, it wraps up and is like a great kind of capper on what has come prior in Dune. And I think having, I just read it, I literally finished it. I want to say maybe it was, if it wasn't the day before I saw Dune for the first time, it was right around that same time. And, uh, and it was just, oh, it's so, so good. And Honestly, I like it just as much, if not more than Dune. And I think that that length and like the palatability of it, as Caleb is pointing out, is a big factor in that. It's breezy compared to the, the first book. You already know a lot of the culture, a lot of the characters. Um, I love the new characters. I love where the pre, you know, the ex existing characters, the pre-existing characters are in the new world. Um, without going into any spoilers, which is kind of hard to do. Um, I just think it really, it just validates everything that, that Frank Herbert was trying to say, really do with the first novel. And he does it well in the first novel, but I think this, if there's any 
ambiguity, let's say, about what he's trying to get across with his messaging or his themes, it's pretty much slammed on you like a car door in Doom Messiah. And uh, it is, I, I cannot wait for them to do an adaptation of this, of this. Like, I know that's years away, like close to a decade away, probably. But um, I really, that's going to be sensational. Just says, not only on its own, but as a trilogy, like an ending to a, a conclusion to an epic saga, I think. It's just, I mean, I could be, there's so much they can do there. And it's very, very uh, rich for just cinematic, uh, you know, qualities and and for performance and writing and everything else. Um, I think this is just, I think you really have to read it. If you haven't read it, go read it. If you haven't read Dune, read Dune and then immediately read Dune Messiah. And I haven't even read any of the other books yet. Actually, I know I'm probably the only outlier here, most likely in that regard. Um, but I, I've only read the first two and I'm not sure, I haven't decided yet what my next plan is. I don't know if I'm going to ever try to read Children of Dune and then stop or try to read Children of Dune and Dune Emperor or God Emperor and then stop or if I'm going to go all the way through or just leave it where it is. Because um, I think it does, it is, people have said when Villeneuve talks about it, it's a great ending to Paul's story. Um, there's some like, push back against that in some ways and without going to spoilers and i kind of i kind of hear both sides of it but i do think it does kind of there is a resolution to him in this where it's kind of everything that has led to you know throughout his life to this point what does that all mean and what does that all entail and what are the you know what is he reaping from all that um i think is really the the final say in dude messiah for, from what i've seen and read so um yeah i'm very very strongly for reading dune messiah for sure i'm a big supporter of messiah i mean without going major spoilers my boy comes back in a certain way mr duncan idaho i'll just leave it at that or hate um i i don't think it's the ending of paul i really think children of dune is and messiah is such once again without going to so many spoilers the new characters that we are introduced and older characters that were briefly introduced in the original book get grown. They, their story continues. I feel like for me, the trilogy, and I would love for Denis to do up to God Emperor, but I don't think he will. I think Children of Dune is the original, like those three books are the trilogy that should be on film. Uh, I love it because it's everything that you you didn't expect from Dune. Like it is so full of twists and turns. And it's also very much a film noir type of story. You know, there's a lot of political intrigue and what they're trying to do. And it, it's hard talking about it without going into full spoilers, but I think it's really crucial to read, especially if we've said this a million and a million times and we'll say it a million times over. If you think Paul's the hero, Read Messiah, 24 chapters, right? Read the audiobook. You know, it's worth checking out because as someone that was a big fan of Dune growing up and the Lynch movie and read the original book, I was like, oh, that's it. And then somehow I told myself, oh, hey, I should read more of this. Like, I think pre-internet, it was kind of hard knowing like what the order was, you know? And when I read Messiah, I was like, I don't feel good about rooting for Paul. Like, I don't think 
the Atreides are what we thought they were by the end of the first book. It's it's not a Fight Club twist or you know something like that, but it does change everything the way you look at that universe. So I I say read it, read up to God Emperor, but that's just me. I I can't say that like my d- deep fall into Dune happened with Messiah. It's a funny story how I picked it up. So I was <laughs> I was doing freelance video editing one day at lunch, and I was like in a coffee shop because I mean you're freelance, you don't have a place to work. This is before COVID, and I like took a break, packed my computer up, went for a walk, and it's like a little downtown square, and there's like a free book rack. And I was like, oh, I got to check this out, right? So I'm walking up in my head. I say, if Dune Messiah is there, I'm going to grab it. I was a fan. I was like, um, if it's there, it's free. Why not? And the rise I look down, lo and behold, there it is. And I just pick it up and I was like, this is fate. And literally that's the point where like, I just fell down this rabbit hole and you have to keep reading. And you're like, and now, I, now I'm obsessed. Now I do a show about Dune. Never would have thought that would have happened. But it all starts with Messiah. And so I agree with you, Simon. Plus, I mean, characters grow up. But I do think, Johnny, if you, you got to go to children because Aaliyah, grown up, her story is so good that you have to keep going because what's going to happen to the crazy little child that was awoken in her mother's womb to consciousness and what could go wrong? Why is she the abomination that the Bene Gesserit keep calling her? And I think it's something we need to talk about especially as Frank talks about how, like, we all want to see the future. We all wish we knew what was happening so we could get that, the right lottery ticket or bet on the Cubs winning the World Series, <laughs> right? Like, we all want that. But what happens to us when we get that? And should we be wanting that as, as, a, as a person or should we just go with the adventure, right? Fear is the mind killer. Let it wash over you and through you. And on the other side, you'll be fine. So I say, I say yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I think without reading Messiah, you're you're not fully understanding the character arc that Frank was going for in this. And what what I was so excited about when I when I first so I read Dune in high school during the '84 movie when it came out, or, or just before the movie came out. But I didn't read Messiah until I got to college, and and I did the same thing that Caleb did. It was like I read Dune, I thought it was fantastic. The world building was mind blowing, loved the characters. Um, But then I get to college and I think what I did is I read Dune again and then I just went on and I read read Messiah. And what I remember is actually being kind of a combination between impressed at the the character development and the expansion of, of intrigue and diplomacy and the depth of the story but also kind of shocked that this is where Frank Herbert is taking the story because I grew up with Star Wars. You know, I grew up with the, the typical um, hero's journey, you know, and, and even though this story has elements of that, this is a very different message. And, and without Messiah, you, you're just, you're, you're cutting out really half of the message or the experience that I think Frank is trying to trying to get across uh, to all of us. So, so I think it's absolutely uh, required because what, what you're gonna come away with is, is a story that is fun and exciting and, and again, world building, but you're not gonna come away with the deep 
he causes you to challenge your own beliefs. He causes you to challenge your own assumptions. And, and you get a, a feel of that in Dune, but in Dune Messiah, he, he comes at you just like a freight train and, and causes you to, to really think through this. Wait a minute, I thought this was gonna happen and this is happening. I don't know how I feel about that, but you know what? He's making some really good points <laughs> that cause you to really evaluate your worldview. And uh, so I just think it's, I think it's critical. I think Messiah took this series to a whole new level and almost made it into a form of philosophy uh, by, by, and, and then the subsequent novels, which I'm with, I'm with you, uh, Caleb and Simon. Uh, Johnny, you need to read uh, Children. Children actually is, is one of my favorite, just because again, it's, it's, a, it's a depth expansion of, of what uh, Frank is trying to get you to consider. So yeah, man, I, I, I love Messiah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, I think Garen's right. It does question what you believe in. And there's a lot of twists and turns. You know, I, I hate referencing Dune again to Star Wars, but it is the Empire Strikes Back. It gets dark. It gets effed up, like, pretty fast in the book, you know. And it makes you go, oh, I was rooting for this person because I was told this person was my Messiah, savior of these people. But it's not, it's, and the ending of Messiah is also a really amazing cliffhanger and puts you like, what happens next to these people? Like, I can't just be like, okay, well, I'm done. And, you know, if you want to finish a Messiah, cool. But I think children is the end cap for Paul's journey. You know, I think his legacy lives on, obviously we know it's his kids, children of Dune, but why is it so crucial? And what is the golden path? that we hear about so early on, Messiah, br Messiah brings it together. And then, you know, God Emperor goes full speed and then they get, there's a war. There's a human war. That's all I'm going to say about God Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I'll read Children of Doom. First and foremost. So I will read it. Um, and then also something I, I was thinking about and also the way how you guys were talking about it as well that comes to mind. I feel like Dune Messiah could almost, I'm not saying that he would do this or that it's going to be anything close to this, but like just, to give, <laughs> just to give people an idea of like Dune Messiah, I feel like Villeneuve could almost make that movie like a horror movie. Like that's the level mm -hmm. of like, I know if, if, if Dune part two is like a war movie, like this could be as a horror movie where it's just like thinking about the characters that are involved, the story, the twists and everything. The, just the aesthetic I can already visualize with if Greg Frazier's still around, what we've seen him do in the Batman with regards to light and darkness and visuals and, and horror elements and that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be, I really, it's, it's wild to even think about because who knows if it's even going to happen or it's far away as hell. But yeah, Dune Messiah, I just, I love that book. And um, I, I, I will read Children of Dune. I will read Children of Dune at least and get the, uh, the full fuller picture. You heard it yeah, here on Dune Talk. <laughs> when Frank was writing all of them, it's, uh, he had the first three mapped out like as he's writing. So he knew where the characters needed to go. So it's just nice to have that cap. And I agree. I, I'm excited. I was stoked to hear that even the consideration that Messiah would be put on film as a part three. I think it's beautiful because you do get that closure 
with Paul at the end that we see the boy from Caladan become the emperor and then walk away. And I think it's that inner, that turmoil we feel in that first movie. I think they'll only get better and stronger as it gets going. I do think I'm on the show so I can say this, um, <laughs> that Dune part one will get better with time. As we get oh, part yeah. two mm-hmm. and part three, I think we've seen things mm-hmm. that Paul is is already that we're gonna see in part three, like the visions of what's mm-hmm. happening. So I think that as you watch those, and we're in ten years, we watch them all back. We're like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful, part one, because it shows what's gonna happen, and we pay those moments off later. It's gonna be great. Yeah, just uh, really enjoy hearing everybody's perspectives. And I think it's no surprise, we're sort of five out of five. So of course, for, from my side as well, like it's, I would say Dune Messiah is, is required uh, reading. So if you've uh, read Dune or if you've uh, consumed Dune in, in another media form, you, you definitely want to get the story of, uh, of Dune Messiah. In my case, I literally read the, the first three books uh, back to back. So I can say that it does work really well as a, as a trilogy. Uh, and I would say that, yeah, potentially um, that's, uh, looking at Dune Messiah and Children of Dune, like almost together. Like I, I enjoyed that experience more than, than Dune. So, uh, so like those, those second and third, third books. Uh, I, I think uh, it would be fair to say that like Dune, like sort of brought me into sci-fi and then uh, Dune Messiah and Children of Dune made me a fan for, for life of the, of the genre. And I think re- really a lot of it is about the characters. You know, of course, there, there's the story itself. It's, it's really exciting. As, as mentioned, there's, there's a lot of things you don't expect or like that you sort of saw hints of in, in Dune, but now they, they come to uh, fruition. But there are a lot of characters and we'll, we'll go into there now that like basically they were mentioned, you know, like you, you got to know them really just on the surface level in Dune, but then in Dune the Messiah, you get to go much, much deeper and we'll go into some uh, some specific characters. So l- let me say, let's for, for the next minutes, we'll go completely full spoiler mode. Uh, so if you haven't read Dune Messiah, then uh, be warned, you might want to like completely uh, tune out for the, for the rest of this, uh, this episode. I must not fear, for fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. One, one thing I want to start out with, as mentioned, was the character. So uh, Simon, you, you had mentioned about uh, Duncan Idaho, like how he returns in, uh, in Dune Messiah. Well, I, I guess there, there's the discussion, you know, is it really Duncan or, you know, is it, is it hate? But um, yeah, the idea there is like in the first book, you know, you know that Duncan Idaho is, is one of Paul's uh, best friends, you know, like he didn't have like friends his own age. So Duncan was his, his, his closest uh, companion, like his, his confidant, he trusted in him. And when uh, Duncan died in, in, uh, in June, you know, it, it really impacted Paul, but you, you don't you don't really see that, right? You, you don't really get much of Duncan Idaho in the in the first um, first book. It's it's like really in Dune Messiah that even with that discussion of is it really Duncan Idaho, you still learn so much more about him in in that uh, in that book. Paul didn't have many friends on Caladan, so it was pretty much Gurney and Duncan. Um, it is. It's the question like, is it really my friend and? Like, I, I was privileged. I was on Reading Dune a couple of weeks ago talking about the return of hate, aka Duncan Idaho. And Frank lays it out Duncan is there to kill Paul. But does Duncan, does hate slash Duncan want to do it? And what does Paul think of it? That's one of the things I love about Messiah. It's questioning everything. Frank writes it here I'm going to try to kill the main character right now. Your best friend's going to try killing you. But it becomes this mind game. 
it becomes this mind game all the way through like should i trust you should i not trust you then my sister starts developing a crush on you and it gets really <laughs> weird you know it's it's so amazing and like i'm glad that we didn't spoil some stuff before we did the spoiler warning and even like the relationships between gurney and you know stillgard that we were talking about them early in the show that they had to lose their water weight and get in shape but it's that it's going back and re-watching Dune eventually when we get Messiah, that whole entire scene when Gurney's like, oh, I don't trust Stilgard, you know, because there is that, who, who does Paul trust more? What does Paul want to do? And the crazy thing, you know, we can talk just about Paul for hours in that book, is when you watch, watch or read the first book, we'll say read the first book, and, you know, we picture all Chalamet now, we're all like, oh, Tim Tim, he's adorable. He's cute, little, <laughs> cute little guy. Cool. Awesome. But Paul is someone you don't want to mess with. Like, he'll tell you. He's like, hey, I created a genocide. Why? Because I had I to. I wanted to. I wanted to. And then it, the next page, it's like, did I really want to? <laughs> Could I have done that? And, you know, also, just the way he treats Erlon is so like bad it makes him just a horrible person on that note you know I don't want to get an explicit tag on this podcast because we've been good about this for 32 shows but there's some stuff that he does you're just like my guy you're just a you're you're just an a-hole pretty much <laughs> she deserves it she deserves it oh I know she does I'm team Paul Special. on this one <laughs> I'm team Paul too but still it's kind of like and then, you know, the tragedy with Sean and Paul yeah. and the kids, yeah. you know, as I'm hopefully people have read Dune all the way part one, they lose a kid. And there's a reason mm -hmm. why he's named Leto the second, the second Leto. It's not after, you know, Duke Leto. And when I first heard, oh, Duke Leto, I mean, Leto the second, it has to be named after, you know, and I didn't really put together that they lost a kid, all that. And the kids are so crucial. And Paul going in full spoiler mode, um, just losing his sight, questions a lot about his visions. Woo! Do I still have the same visions because I lost my sight? And it becomes this whole entire thing where the mentat Paul has to stand up and be like, hey, I really, really have to trust my gut now. It's what I have to do. It's... I don't want to go on and on, but I, I'm excited when we get to talk about Messiah and really like the politics, the religion parts of it, and just the world building. And one of the biggest surprises for me in Messiah, and I've said this to a lot of people, is when Paul's talking to one of the new characters that we get introduced to in Messiah and brings up Genghis Khan and Hitler. Dun, that's dun, the dun. part where, yeah, seriously, that's the part you're like, wait, so this is our world because as yeah. far as we know at that point we think it's a whole different world we know earth existed but it's it's effed up man what i liked about the movie in this in in part one that we don't get in the book is that relationship building between duncan and paul even cracking small jokes and like i want to be with you and i'm concerned i've seen your death and you know, it's like, no, it's okay. And 
you have that like bond, you see him again, and then you see him sacrifice his life and makes it hit a little bit harder. And in that scene, when he's like, oh, no, it's in the vision. In the vision Paul has, which doesn't have any yellow tint on it, it's just a regular vision. He <laughs> sees there's a, there's a beetle that crawls into the shot. And the beetle is the sign of the Tylaxu. So it's this nod to nod to nod that Denny is doing that we will get this. And so I'm excited the first time we see steely-eyed Jason Momoa as this character, who's now somebody the same, but also different and who's got this complete thing. And yeah, like Simon, you were saying, like hate is the trap. It's set from the beginning, just like Arrakis was the trap for Duke Leto. And what do the Atreides men know how to do well? Step yeah, into trap. a trap. <laughs> they just, they want to they get in the arena and fight the bull and see what happens. And I don't, I don't know. I love that, that essence. And that's why I love the bull metaphor so much in the movie. It's just there in front of you. You are walking into the arena every single time. And you have to do that. So Paul does it again. And I hope we get more of that imagery because it's, it's all there. Yeah, um, to kind of add on to that, you are all making great points for sure. Uh, it's funny because when they cast Jason Momoa, some fans were like, Jason Momoa as as, <laughs> as I was as, that guy. As I was hate. that guy, I'll be honest. Is he going to really, is, I don't know if he has the, the chops to pull this off. Not only in the initial movies, but they're like, uh, if they go past that, I don't know what's going to happen. Um which I think I totally disagreed with at the time, because let's be real, like Duncan Idaho is not, you know, Vito Corleone by any like stretch of the imagination as far as acting what's required. Um, and I hadn't read Dune Messiah at that point. And I knew that he was a recurring element. Um, but after reading Dune Messiah, I'm even more like further convinced, especially because I saw the movie around the same time. Like, I think Jason Moa can absolutely like crush like what hate is doing. And it's 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 even then it's more subtle stuff but what we saw him already do in part one and what Villeneuve was able to get out of him during not only just action stuff but also you know the more emotional beats and more serious moments I thought was great and some of the best stuff Jason Momoa has ever done and I think he's just and and to Caleb's point as well it's something I also love about the movie is they really do amp up his uh, emotional connection with Paul and there's more to it than even in the book I think um, so it, it does build a great uh, foundation with the beetle, you know, Easter egg. And with also, uh, you know, what I tweeted back in October, the last shot of Duncan Idaho in the movie is just looking right in his eyeballs <laughs> as he falls, you know, down and, and dies. Um, to, it's just already imagining, yeah, the steely, steely eyes uh, in those sockets. So I, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to, we haven't gotten to part two yet. We haven't seen Irulan, but she has a very small role in Dune, the original novel, and has a much you know expanded role by comparison in Messiah. And I think that's why you cast someone as talented as Florence Pugh. Maybe they will expand her role somewhat in part two, the film. Um, but I think having her, someone of her caliber, someone similar for Dune Messiah, that's going to really amplify that, that film and that role um, from you know, an acting perspective. And then, yeah, Zendaya, I mean, that's just another one is Chani. I'm thinking on the film side, once again, she's gonna have some great stuff to do in part two, but I'm thinking even more like, wow, she's gonna kick mm. some ass in, in Dune Messiah um, because there's some great emotional stuff between her and Paul individually. Um, it's just, it's a horror, like I said, this could be like a horror movie. Like this is ultimately, it's a tragic, horrible 
situation um, for everyone involved. And, you know, um, it, it's just Javier Bardem as, as Stilgart. He's a great character. And he, he is really like, uh, it's almost like, he's, it's not like he's emasculated necessarily because it's not what it's about. But it's like, what's the Fremen like, you know, like, like equivalent of being emasculated? Like your, your identity as a Fremen is being like stripped away essentially in service of this, uh, you know, tyrant, I think is just a really interesting like angle for that character. Um, and, you know, who's going to play Aaliyah? Uh, who's going to play some of these other characters that are going to get involved? Um, like, you know, the, the face dancer, like I, that stuff I think is just so exciting and, there's other going to be a couple other recurring characters as well that I won't even get into. So um, I'm thinking, actually, no, hell, I will get into it real quick. So <laughs> I'm thinking as just as, as another parallel and something that'll just boost up what we see in part one and what we'll see eventually down the road. One, one parallel that I love in Dune is in the first book, or at least in the first movie, Paul is like stirred out of bed and is like taken through the castle to go see you know, the Reverend Mother, and she's, he's waltzed in there and told to go, like, talk to her and meet her, and she, he's basically at her mercy, and he could die, like, in this situation. Then, you know, 15 years later, <laughs> in Dune Messiah, you have the Reverend Mother uh, in her cell, just in this city-sized building, um, which I, I, oh my god, I cannot wait to see what Villeneuve, I mean, talk about someone who knows how to do scale, uh, is perfectly suited for this, but she's yes. she's risen up and forced through this just labyrinth like building and waltz through and she's like really almost like feeling she's like feeling fear almost like for the first time like just by the size of everything and then she's taken into this room and just like pushed in there to meet face to face with paul and she's at his mercy and he is the emperor of the universe and and has killed who knows you know countless people basically um I just love, there's just so many great things as Caleb has pointed out, Simon's pointed out, we've pointed out in the past that are just, it's going to make part one better. It'll make part two better. And then as a co cohesive trilogy or story, it'll just be uh, a lot, lots of great like payoffs and, and loose ends being tied up. So yeah, um, character wise, story wise, uh, imagery wise, symbolism, I, I just, it is going to be very exciting. And I'm I want to reread the book right now, just talking about it. Uh, and certainly Children of Dune, I'm looking forward to, you know, getting into and getting more along, seeing what happens, you know, down the road. Yeah, so actually, uh, Caleb, let, let, me, let me ask, uh, ask you, like, because um, I know that you've, you've read Dune and now Dune Messiah several times. And I guess you may have had a different experience since you didn't read them back to back. Do you feel that from the first book, Dune, that we're meant to sort of, uh, cheer for Paul, despite the warnings, to make the impact of Dune Messiah all the more, I guess, uh, yeah, co conflicting in, in a way. Heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> Heartbreaking, I think is the word you're looking for. Because it, Dune Messiah, I'm sorry, I'm not selling the book here. It <laughs> breaks your heart. And you need an emotional support buddy to walk you through. And we're there for you at Reading Dune. So chapter by chapter, just come on in. We'll guide you through it. And together, we'll cry. And it'll be great. Um, no, let's see. Uh, I think you are supposed to root for Paul. I think what Frank does is so good because you get pulled along and you're, and I'm, I still root for Paul. Like I want him to succeed through this, but what does success look like? 
in this situation, who are the plans within plans within plans within plans? That is even in Dune Messiah. You talk about hate. Hate's supposed to kill Paul and the emperor. Is that the final destination of hate? It, what it, are there plans within plans within him of how that's supposed to work? So I don't, I don't know. Is I guess does it hit you in the face harder a hundred percent because because Frank has to has to get the point across. I think he does a great job in Dune, but you don't feel it right away. Just like if you got caught up in any charismatic movement, right? And there's no judgment on the table, right? You get caught up in this in this theory of how the world works and you go down it and this right, they're gonna bring the oasis, they're gonna bring water to Arrakis, whatever all your dreams will go away. You do this one thing, and if you just follow down the path, they'll take care of you. But that journey, if you when you take it in real life, ends in tragedy because you put either your hope in the wrong spots or the wrong places. And this takes you on that journey. Like Garen said, it makes you question your own belief about how you see the world, probably for the better, because can you rely on these other people to bring you to the place? And Messiah really does that for you. It, it, you look in the face, like the Fremen. We, in book one, love the Fremen. The Fremen are revered, they're looked up to, right? We even say, if you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, if you're deep in the trenches, you know how to put on a still suit, you recycle your own water, you use your spit for coffee. Those are the Fremen that are hardcore people. But by the end, like, uh, Stilgar is emasculated. The Fremen are emasculated. What happens, and that's that whole maybe the white savior thing that the Dune gets a, get critiqued for. It's a valid critique in my mind, because look what happens in Messiah to the people that we revered. To the and that's why you get that opening shot in Dune Part One, right? You see the hardcore Fremen fighting for every inch, and now they get what they want, and they're no longer the people we look up to. They've become just like everybody else. They've become addicted to foreign drugs, wealthy out of their minds, and all of their perceptions of reality have been crushed. Um, again, I don't know if I'm selling the book at all. I bet it will be a fun read. But I do think it's an it's a read we need to go through it. And you need to have yourself challenged because sometimes when you're in the thick of something, it can you don't see any other point of view. And Dune is asking you to question what is real and what is not. And I think Paul does a great job of that. And we kind of go through that. And I I think Frank was absolutely brilliant and uh, a mind in his time. Because I mean, he did this during the during Watergate in the 60s and he was talking about it's like this Vietnam reference and and oil is definitely a reference for spice and there is this stuff and he was he was a political writer right he wrote speeches for politics he knows how this works how they'll say one thing and do another and in the end who do we like what's going to happen so I mean I think it's it's a powerful message that we need to hear no matter what time or place you're in your life the end well said so if you want to pick up doing messiah if you want to go on that journey we are there to do it with you uh find us on reading dune where you listen to podcasts we are live on youtube week by week and again i'm reading it with evan who's never read any of this so i talk all the spoilers here 
I can't say anything in the show because we got to go through it together as a group. So if you are a Fremen, first time reader, first time jumping in, we will gladly hold your hand and there's a bunch of people to do it with you because not talking about this stuff is hard. Like first time I read Dune, I was talking to my wife constantly and she was so annoyed. I kept talking about Dune all the time. This is happening and this is the first quote and this is what it means and all this stuff. So, I mean, got to have your Dune people and I'm just glad to be surrounded by such good Dune buddies like these fine gentlemen here on Dune News Net and Dune Talk. Uh, th thanks to our special guest, Caleb, for coming on today and uh, talking about uh, Dune Messiah. So um, as, as mentioned, uh, they're going through the, the book now. So if you want to read chapter by chapter, that's the place to be. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and sign off for, um, for this week, uh, starting with uh, Simon. Hey, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening, watching. Uh, follow us on, on social media. Remember to like and subscribe. Uh, honestly, like we say all the time, it's only the beginning. As you can see, if you stick around until, you know, our spoiler discussion on Messiah, Dune Part 1 is just a little, little part of the Dune universe that Frank Herbert has created. And thanks to Denis Villeneuve now and his amazing team, we get to enjoy it. Um, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Insta, all the social medias, S Dowdy. Um, Caleb, thank you for joining us again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great, great discussion as always after a little break. Um, thank you, Caleb, for joining us. Great to have you on and, and have you add to the conversation. And uh, I love talking. You know, we got to talk about the movies a little bit, but we definitely talked about a lot of other stuff, including Messiah, really for the first time because we've been kind of holding off on that. So a good time to get into that. And, um, you know, damn, I just I want to go read these read these books or reread these books now talking about it. So that's always a good sign. Um, so you can find me on Twitter, of course, at Johnny Sobchak. Um, or right inside the film room for movie reviews and other articles. So um, thank you again for listening and the support and uh, really appreciate it. It's a good time to be a Dune fan, that's for sure. Yeah, this is this is Garen. Uh, appreciate you being on, Caleb. Uh, really, really great discussion, especially about uh, Dune Messiah. And uh, just excited to continue on this journey and appreciate all the support uh, of, of those of you that listen and, and follow us. Um, it is. It's a great time to be a Dune fan, and I appreciate people who really appreciate uh, this series and this, this story. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dune Companion. And again, Caleb, thanks for joining. And this was uh, Marcus Gabriel, and you can uh, find uh, coverage from myself and other writers on dunewsnet.com, and you can find uh, me on Twitter and Instagram at dunewsnet. Uh, yeah, so as we were saying, this is just the beginning. There's a lot more uh, coming. There's going to be movie news, uh, interviews, more. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll have uh, more opportunities to go deep into Dune Messiah and the further books in the series. So uh, thank you all and uh, stay safe. See you next time. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to dunenewsnet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews. Hey, Spicy.